They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. Joining me this evening, I've got Dan Kingdom and... President, the new president of Somerset County Cricket Club, Peter Wanders, confirmed at the AGM on... Uh, on, when was it, last Wednesday? I'll turn that off now. I don't know if you can hear, but I was playing Hell to the Chief there. So, Hell to the Chief, how are you doing, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good uh, what, what an honor uh yeah no extraordinary uh privilege thank you thank you very much uh, did you know that there have been 30 presidents of somerset county cricket club since we were founded in 1875 i, I feel one of dan's sort of list uh, quizzes um coming on to see how many people can name there are a fair number of uh Somerset megastars as well as some very very obscure names on that list oh i think i can name three Roy Kerslake was president for a while, wasn't he? A long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's probably there. Uh, Brian Rose and and you. So yeah, that's my that's my three. <laughs> if you can think of any more without looking them up, listeners, pop them in the uh, the comments. Uh, Anthony is uh, desperately trying to connect from uh, from in uh, France at the moment, but he's having a few technical issues, so he might uh, pop in. Uh, uh, if and when he's able to get connected but we'll start by looking back at uh, what three T20 games uh, in the last week three blast games two losses and a win in that thrash up at uh, Sapphire Gardens on Friday night but if we start with Surrey uh, you were there Pete and we yeah. we were so yeah. close to get to the last ball for the win in a game really that we had no right to even be in the in the in the contest of uh, at halfway it was an amazing um, night out. I mean, firstly, to struggle through the lack of transport um, to get to the the ground. Oh yeah, rail um, strikes. Then to um, watch. I, th- there was there was only one moment through that whole game when I thought we were going to win, and that was the last ball when mm. they needed to get four off the last ball, and I actually thought for the first time we're going to win this, and then we lost. Um, but I must say that. At that moment, I mean, the the team sort of collapsed to the to the ground. You could see what it meant to them. I mean, I did feel really proud of the effort that they put into it. The bowling and the fielding in the second half was stupendous, almost to the point where you <laughs> you forget how um, brainless <laughs> some of the uh, early early batting was. Um, so it was a it was a fantastic game. Great advert for the game i was with some folk on the surrey committee and they were saying you know both in the county championship and in now in the t20 you know you somerset are the best side that that we've played so there was a little bit of kind of consolation at the end you know heroic failures are us we find extraordinary well, ways if only not- division one was decided by the opinions of the surrey committee then we we'd be all right wouldn't we <laughs> we would yeah i think they'd put us through and be very happy to play us in the final yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get to see that. I was at uh, I was at uh, horse races on uh, on Monday night. I was sort of keeping an eye on my phone. The wicket alerts just kept pinging through and pinging through. And by the time I got home, I did see that in, that uh, that incredible finish. But um, 
Peter Siddle has, has kind of justified his selection over Marchant Delanger, who came in for him for those first few games, Dan. Um, should he have been in from the start, do you reckon? And what did you make of um, of Tuesday? Tuesday, wasn't it? Tuesday night of the Oval. Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because no one was quite certain if Delanger or Siddle would play. Initially, I thought they would both play. Then we signed Russo, so obviously it could only be one of them. Um, I think initially we wanted to give Siddle a rest, didn't we, after the championship, um, which is fair enough. And Delanger, you know, he's got to do something at some point. So we felt, I suppose, that he deserved a run. Plus, he gives us, you know, a point of difference in the attack. And he, I think he didn't do too well in his first game, but then he had a couple of good games and then one or two other bad games. And then Siddle came in for Bristol, didn't he? Which we thought was maybe dictated by conditions, but he's kept, stayed in since and justifiably so, I think. You know, he's. He's, he can bowl any time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at um, when he bowls for Adelaide Strikers, he can bowl in the power play, middle overs, and at the death. Uh, and for us, it's mainly been sort of power play and death. And he's done a really good job. He's actually a... It's quite rare for Somerset in recent years in T20 cricket. We've actually got a death bowler who is fairly reliable. He's not, obviously... He, he hasn't come off every More time. More reliable than expect. Jerome Taylor. <laughs> he had the odd... He had the odd <laughs> highlight, didn't he? But... Um, but still, yeah, still was reasonably consistent at the death. It's great. Um, you know, he he conceded nine against Surrey, which obviously we lost the game, but it was still a brilliant over. A nine you usually take at the death in the in the final over. Um, and he bowled well against Glamorgan, he bowled well against Gloucestershire. So still was definitely justified playing ahead of Delanger. And now we're wondering, now I'm wondering whether Delanger will play for Somerset again. Um, I suppose in September when Siddle and Renshaw are gone that might be the one final chance for, for Delanga to play for us um, but yeah I think it's it's works fine Siddle playing and not Delanga um, so I think it's useful to have Delanga as an option if Siddle picks up a niggle or something but um, no it's, it's, he's been seriously good Siddle yeah, I mean, Delang- we did mention it previous podcast, but uh, yeah, Delanga's economy rates were 3-5 and then 10-13 and 14, so he's really either he's a feast or famine, really, isn't he, old, old Marchant? But yeah, I mean, in terms in terms of, well, the batting performance, I mean, it was Tom Banter at the top of the order coming back to a bit of form that he, uh, he followed up against Hampshire, and then, well, Lewis Goldsworthy, who is... Bang at what? What was he batting there today? Ten, nine, nine yeah. ten, yeah. So twenty-seven off nineteen balls got us up to a, a respectable score, um, and then didn't play against Hampshire. Dropped for George Bartlett. Was that was that injury or was that just selection? Because it, it, I think we wanted to give Bartlett a go because he's been in good form for the second eleven in T Twenty cricket. Plus he scored some runs against Sri Lanka development eleven. Yeah, it just seemed pretty harsh on. On little Lewis because he got uh, yeah twenty seven off nineteen towards the end got us up to a, a reasonable total I think he bowled pretty well at care couple of overs of fifteen as well at the ovals not too bad um but then dropped and then Bartlett comes in ahead of well, we definitely came in ahead of Lamanby who else did he come in ahead of against Gregory Hampshire? Gregory as well yeah chewed up four or five balls for two and then that really kind of put us set us back in that run chase and we never we never really recovered for it but um what was it 208 we were chasing that game and yeah yeah magnificent 100 from james vince though um i mean i was there i mean that overway just took gregory apart was it's just it's just phenomenal he's a class player and it's strange to think that a guy like that can't get a game for england because he's 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 just you can tell he's a quality player. Well, the first game back after COVID, when we were 
um, playing Hampshire down there. Delanga was bowling with a bit of heat that day, and everybody else was kind of sort of whoosh, whoosh, playing a missing. But Vince just looked like he had all the time in the world. And yeah, what did he take us for in the end? Uh, 129 off off 62, and we were in a reasonable position in that game at halfway. But or runs runs wise, we only had one wicket. We'd only taken uh, one Hampshire wicket. But yeah, he just took us to the cleaners. I thought we were in we were in control as well. But then Abe's just played that ramp shot, and then it kind of all went uh, all went downhill from there. Um, Pete, could, did you watch much of that one? I w I watched it on the the stream, and it it. There. as someone who never thinks we're going to win again <laughs> i did think about 15 overs we 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 had this uh sewn up and then there's been a lot of comment hasn't there about the the batting order that 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 folk came in on and um i don't know it's uh it it, it was it felt that was two games, both of which we were in touching distance of winning and, and, and maybe more likely to win that Hampshire game than the Surrey one, actually. And yet we ended up with two defeats. And then, of course, everyone starts getting really depressed, like we're never going to win again yeah. and we're not qualifying all of this. And we're, we're still, you know, I think we're a really good, we're a really good team. We bat a long way down. There are a whole lot of players that at different times in the season have got us out of a hole or, or played really well. And at some point, it's all going to come together. And we're going to... Mm -hmm. Uh, really click. So I'm I'm still feeling sort of good about it. But yeah, I can see why um, folk were feeling a bit um, unhappy um, at the end of uh, of that because uh, yeah, we nearly chased down a pretty big score. Yes, I think it was seven for twenty-seven. We lost after Abel was out in the first ball of the of the seventeenth over. Um, oh, Anthony's arrived. Let's admit, Anthony. Here he comes. He's on mute. Is he going to unmute himself? Bonjour, Monsieur Gibson. Comment allez-vous? Ah, bonsoir. <laughs> new new songs recording. Maintenant avec Pierre et Daniel. A new discussions le jeu contre le Hampshire last Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we were just really chatting about. Uh, we just got to the stage where we were talking about another Somerset batting collapse, seven for twenty-seven after Tom Abel got out uh, first ball of the seventeenth over, and we never really stayed in the hunt after that. Uh, we should have won it, really. What was it? Um, Forty-seven needed in five overs with eight wickets in hand. It was. Um, it was sort of headless chicken time, wasn't it? Yeah, it, didn't it shows how much we, you know, Lewis Gregory. I, I can't make out what's happened to Lewis Gregory. I mean, he played that really good innings against the Gloucesters, but he's just looked completely out of sorts with bat and ball. Apart from that, yeah. I mean, after Abel got out, nobody else got going. Bartlett got uh, two off four. Gregory three off four. Lamanby two off four. Uh, Green seven off three. Uh, Roloff was out second ball. Uh, for a blob and then uh, Peter Siddle um, run out for one off the last ball so I mean it's if one of those gets going you, you, you're you probably going to win that game but um, when it when you have a kind of a collective failure like that it, it's really difficult so 
I don't know. Did you have any other other thoughts on that? We did discuss uh, Vince's hundred. What a, a class act he looks. Um, what did you think of that, Gibbo? Oh, he's a great. He's a very very good player in in all formats. Um, it's just a, it's it, it's one of those bit like Mark Ramprakash, you know. It's a mystery why he's never done it for England. Um, I suppose you know the, the uh, off drive that he keep, that he hits in the air is is the big part of the explanation, but. He's a he's a really good batsman and he's a really good captain as well for that for that Hampshire side. And I thought Hampshire were more than the sum of their parts uh, last week. And I thought Somerset were a bit less than the sum of some of their parts. No, it, it wasn't. A, it really wasn't a good performance with the ball as well as as well as with the bat. We let them let them get twenty or thirty too many. Good stuff. And. Um... And uh, how many times did you discuss the birthplaces of the various players with, with Kevin James that, that day? Was no. it? Well, as we as, as our as our mainstay in T Twenty cricket is Bridie Russo, born in Bloemfontein or somewhere. I don't feel I'm on very solid ground there anymore. Fair enough. Bloemfontein, that's just outside of Ilminster, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, that was uh, I was on Sky Sports that game. Did you 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 weren't there? Were you there? Were you watching that on? No, I I yeah. couldn't make it back to that one because of the train strikes. Um, but um, yeah, watched it on Sky Sports. Yeah, I mean, similar thoughts to what you've all already said. Really, I think my my theory with Bartlett is it's very similar to so in twenty eighteen at Canterbury, Tom Abel came in and we needed a lot of runs off not many balls, and he was promoted ahead of Lewis Gregory. And, the exp- and it didn't work, obviously. And the explanation for that was basically was to give Tom Abel experience. And he le- and I'm sure he did learn a lot from it, because he obviously since then has really improved since many players. So I think it was the same with Bartlett. And they said, right, we know that, you know, they, 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 they knew that Gregory and Lamanby were better options at that point in time. But they said to Bartlett, you're in good form. We're going to give you a go. This, you know, now or never, you know, um it would be a good experience for him and he could learn from it whatever he did and obviously he didn't do too well so yeah I mean he didn't play obviously the following night so whether that's the only time he bats for us in uh, in T20 this season um, I don't know but um, yeah I think they just wanted to back him and um, with the theory that he hit out or get out kind of thing mm-hmm. unfortunately two or four you know we all much rather we got none off one than two or four because those four balls sort of just kill the momentum a little bit more um yeah it's one of those ones which i wouldn't have done that i think we've, we've got to focus on winning matches yeah. and bartlett was not the best option to maximize our chance of winning the match it was probably gregory to keep the right hand left hand combination at that point. um he, he should have come in next so that was a mistake for sure um and yeah, we, we we threw that game away really. I mean, forty-seven or five, it's almost ten and over. You know, that's not easy, but it's pretty easy. You'd, you'd expect us to do that, um, so it was disappointing. Um, but yeah, just just one of those games. Yeah, I mean, Abel only got thirteen off ten, but when he, he and Russo were together, I thought, well, if if these two stay together, we've got this in the bag. And at no stage during that that run chase, watching it, did I feel that we were behind the run rate or that that we were up against it. Um, but yeah, Abel played that funny little reverse ramp, got caught short third, and then that was it. It was just it was just a procession after that. But Riley Rousseau again was he's that's um the only score he got in the in the three games um last week, but boy did he look good. And uh Tom Banton looked pretty uh, in pretty decent nick as well. Good to see him uh, yeah. back amongst the runs. I think the the reverse 
I don't know. They keep coming up with these shots and they need to name them because the one that Abel played against Worcester, the one where he kind of reverse served it over the wicketkeeper's head for, for four, that needs a name. We've discussed that to, to death on uh, on this podcast, but what that one's called. But the one that Banton played over over third man, just reverse flicking it, that was an incredible shot. And the power he got on it as well, just flicking his hands like that was absolutely amazing. Um, watch Will Smead as well. He got 43 off 27, but he, I don't know what you thought about watching it there live, Anthony, but he didn't really look in any, in any form to me. Uh, I think the, the opposition have worked him out a bit. Mm. You know, he's very much a, an onside player, and they bowl, they bowl good length outside off stump. And he keeps wafting at it, not making contact. You know, it's uh, it happened. Um, it happened at Cardiff as well. He wasn't in for very long at Cardiff <laughs> when he was in there. He played. He played and missed about four. I can't remember four or five times outside the Austin. You were there, Dan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. uh, it was. What did he get three? It was a pretty inglorious three. Yeah, three or five. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I, d- I don't know. I mean, he's. Somebody needs to take him in hand and turn him into an all-round batsman rather mm. than just a legside slogger, which is what he's becoming. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it, it seems harsh on the lad because he's only, what, 20 to sort of start picking him to bits. But this is now where he just needs to kind of, like you say, work with somebody, work with Lachlan Stevens or Trez or whoever, and just develop the next stage of his game. Because, you know, you've... If you know if your reputation is that you you can biff it into Rose Ed if it's a, a long up on your on your leg stump, well you're not going to get very many of those. No. You know these these bowlers are they have got a, a few brain cells between them and they uh, and they will work you out pretty quick. So it's it's just a challenge for him to to you know work on his game and and, and take himself to that uh, to that next level. Um, one thing I wasn't impressed with on Thursday night was the quality of the commentary team that Sky sent down. It was very much the B team. I know they had a test match going on, but we had Robert Croft, Charles Dagnall, Dominic Cork, and Niall O'Brien. I think the four of us could have done a better job than them, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not going to criticise fellow commentators. <laughs> Without saying something which will trigger a great number of listeners, <laughs> I'm sure it really gets me when Niall O'Brien seems to really enjoy referencing which players play for which hundred franchise, oh, which I don't think anyone really get knows. Bin, but every time he does it, I feel like you know taking another swig of thatches or or whatever because it's almost like they've been told you know drop in these references to um the competition which will not be named yeah he he, he, he trots out the same old cliches over 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 and over again oh that big fella loves it oh he's got him he's a great this and that blah 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 blah. whatever um i nearly lost a child into uh into the churchyard as well because they were desperate to go and look for the ball that will smead top edged over us in gimlet hill i thought i was going to get a crowd catch for a minute um but just it just sailed over so i lifted my little girl up she she got a bit uh less grumpy giver when i bought some sweets so uh <laughs> we popped we popped a z give her oh. he was tired poor little thing she'd fallen asleep in the car bless her not quite woken up but funny enough when i bought her a bag of candy floss from the 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 concession stand outside the colin atkinson pavilion they both they both they perked up like it was uh oh like nobody's business it's amazing that um i was i was all ready for a i was all ready for a fight as well well not a fight fight but um 
when they both needed a wee, I was going to think, right, well, I'll take him into the Colin Atkins Pavilion as a member, as my little daughter is a member of this club, and I was fully expecting the steward on orders from the... Cover your ears, Pete. On orders from the Gestapo of the committee. I'm only joking, too. I said, oh, you're not allowed in here, sir. And I was, I was that ready to go. I, sir, I'm a member of this fine club, and you will admit me and my daughter to use the facilities, but... He just waved just straight on through, so uh, I didn't get to, didn't get to have that. Uh, Children's rights are very important to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, six pound fifty for the worst cheeseburger I've ever had as well. But I had to buy because I was absolutely starving. <laughs> but that wasn't from a club-owned thing. That was from the. I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to a to a very helpful and friendly steward. I don't know what his surname is, but he's John, and he looks after the car park. And um, when I turned up last Thursday night, the car park, the staff car park, where I'm supposed to park, according to Spencer, uh, was full and shut. So I rang up Spencer and said, what am I supposed to do? There's nowhere to park. He said, well, go to the Priory Bridge Road entrance, the Viv Vivian Richards gates, and I'll, I'll meet you there and we'll see what we can do. So I did. And there was John, and he recognised me. He said, "Oh, come on in, Mr. Gibson. We'll find a parking space for you. Don't you, don't you worry at all." So, shout out to John. Thank you, mate. It's the most helpful parking steward I've ever met at a cricket ground. Oh, well done, John. I mean, as somebody who's not, I think. Uh, well, you always get the train down. Pete's got his own presidential parking space now. <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one who has to. Now they've closed Firepool. I'm the only one who has to drive around Taunton for about forty-five minutes looking for a bloody space. Cannon Street's a lottery. Managed to sneak it in Virador on Thursday night, but I shouldn't be telling people that because that's kind of a little secret. People get to, the less people that know about that, the better. Oh, anything more on Hampshire? Then it was uh, very much what might have been, and then we uh, we moved on to Cardiff on Friday night, where unbelievably in South Wales it pissed down most of the day. <laughs> Uh, we did get a seven over thrashing um, and it was quite it was quite reassuring to see that we managed to get a batting collapse into a, into a seven over game um, and then what do, what did we finish on uh, what do we finish on there yeah we well, what, 75, yeah, 75 after being 15 for four off 2.2 overs but then if you flip that round and think well you've got to bat the last I don't know uh, da, 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 what is it 3.4 overs with six wickets in hands you generally take that and uh yeah, what a night for Ben Green. Green yeah. Army. Uh, he played really well. Oh, Dan, well, Dan was there. Dan didn't tell you about it. Yeah, I mean, first I was surprised he was ahead of Roloff. Um, and I was saying, you know, like, why are we doing this? Roloff has 48 or 15 at Gloucestershire earlier this season. But, um, no, yeah, two falls and a six. Can't complain. I think after that start, you know, obviously Banton and... We obviously seven over match surprisingly found the time to regroup and um, it works you know Abel and Lambers took a few singles um, before sort of unfurling the bigger shots and they just I think they just reeled in the expectations I think at first we were targeting like 100 I think they sort of realised on a slightly slower wicket that actually 70 to 80 would be enough um, and so yeah they you know, they hit. We only hit three sixes, um, so it's three sixes and seven fours, um, which was enough. Um, they had that meant they had to chase uh, ten and a half and over, and yeah, they never really got going. I mean, Ingram hit a couple sixes in the first over, um, but we we bowled a lot of dot balls for a seven over game. They they couldn't even retake the strike, let alone score boundaries for most of their innings. Um, and only only Ingram actually passed seven. 
Um, yeah, all the bowlers bowled really well. Um, they all got a wicket except for Van der Merwe, but Van der Merwe bowled a very good over. And, you know, the, the required rate just spiralled throughout the innings, really. It was just a really poor performance from Glamorgan. And you'd think they'd be sort of used to their that pitch, those conditions. <laughs> I don't know. I said I remember saying this last year as well when we played them in T20. They, I don't know. I mean, I don't watch Glamorgan enough, and I don't want to criticise them. It just seems weird they're not better on their own in their own conditions because they must be used to it by now. It is obviously more unusual, unusual ground dimensions, and it's you know fairly spin-friendly wicket, I think, isn't it? Um, compared to most in the country, and it's fairly fairly slow. Um, but yeah, they they don't seem to have that much success in T20 um, on that wicket. Mm. Um, but yeah, overall brilliant. I think, I think they misjudged it, Dan. It was the third time they'd used that, that pitch. And the yeah. last time, the Morgan got 216 on it. And But, you know, I think it was third time unlucky in terms of the quality of the pitch and, and the way they, they batted on it. And um, I, I, I agree with you. I thought, that, I thought they were poor. I didn't think we had nearly enough 75 because I'd been listening to what uh, Nick Webb and, and other people have been saying about the quality of the pitch. Um, but um, it turned out to be more than enough, and, and I agree with you about the quality of the, the bowling. They were all really, really good. Mm. And halfway, halfway through our innings, I was praying for rain. Don't a great big cloud comes over Cardiff if we get a point out of this. But, uh, you know, it turned, turned out turned out really well it was it was a good comeback and I've, I've really seen I mean Tom Abel was really really chuffed afterwards and Ben Green likewise it was good to see Ben who you know is such a good cricketer but he's a bit of an unsung hero hmm. and he hasn't really established himself certainly in, in red in the red ball side and the question marks against him in the white ball side as well but it was a really really top class performance for a, a player who he seems to relish the big occasion you know, semi-final against uh, Hampshire up on finals day last year when he really, really came to the party. So, yeah, it was, it was a good win. I really enjoyed it in, did the, you, end. in the end. <laughs> did you catch much of that one, Pete? I mean... Uh, yeah, no, well, I was relieved having made what turned out to be an eight-hour round trip from yeah. home to <laughs> Cardiff to watch the game that we actually got some cricket and um uh, i was a bit torn yeah there was a moment when i kind of thought maybe it should rain but in in the end eight hours for 14 overs of uh of, of cricket it was uh, it was time well spent and uh yeah likewise i thought that um i was thought 75 wasn't enough the scores have been quite low at glamorgan apart from the game that anthony mentioned so i had a little bit of hope but you never when colin ingram's in you never quite know because he can go a bit mad can't he and those mm. the sixes he did it were really big but no one else really looked like doing anything in in particular and and after about suddenly from about sort of four <laughs> overs onwards they were nowhere near and the whole game sort of mm. petered out in the end didn't it and it kind of finished and everyone <laughs> looked at one another oh it's yeah. oh yeah it's was, over. Yeah. Oh, we've lost. And there was a, this great big sort of football crowd of Glamorgan fans who'd been singing through that, throughout. Sorry, did you say, they say there were a crowd of Glamorgan fans there, people? Where were they yeah, sat there? Because yeah. I couldn't see them. Well, they were quite noisy. <laughs> yeah, they more than yeah, I expected yeah. uh, to see there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, look, it looked pretty empty from where I was, well, where I was sat, where I'm looking at it on well, the street. Well, it was pretty and, empty. It's well, still yeah. pretty empty. But it, it there were is. some singers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It just seemed to me that they just they just couldn't get Ingram on strike. That was 
mm. you know he's he's your yeah. main guy he's he's the guy who's going to win this game for you and um as you said they just couldn't they just couldn't find the ones we put a lot of dot balls at them and he ended up what 37 not out of 19 and you think well if he's faced maybe 10 more balls that's yes. that game's going to be a lot closer but yeah it also it it yeah i agree with you Pete. after sort of with three overs to you think oh this is it this it's not quite all over, but you felt so confident. You almost by default, you think in a seven-over game, you're, you're just going to get a tight finish automatically. But it just, it just never happened. Um, yeah, I mean the recovery by Abel, twenty-six off fourteen, Lambie eighteen off nine, and Green uh, seventeen out of of six balls was it didn't seem like they were slogging it or just you know playing the big shot at the wrong time. If you know, if you know what I mean, I know you've, got, you've automatically got to play the big shots with, with an over to go in a seven-over game, but it just seemed controlled and planned and they and they knew what they were doing um and if you look at the bowling figures as well uh craig went over for 12 he he came back out of the england uh, squad to play for sids uh two overs one for 16 uh ben green two overs two for 13 and then uh an over a piece uh for from roloff and josh davy going for eight apiece as well so you know in a seven over game only one of your bowlers going at 10 and over that's that's fantastic and a 16 one margin of victory possibly Josh Davey was hit for six the first ball he bowled as well he was yeah, yeah. So I, he, I remember that so he bowled he bowled the other he bowled the other five to, for wicket and two runs mm. you know that's good stuff possibly the greatest performance in Somerset's history <laughs> <laughs> well certainly the greatest performance under my presidency oh okay. oh <laughs> I, th- I think they, I think they call that a segue in the trade, Pete. Um, go on then. Well, I mean, just one more thing before we go on that. I think seven over cricket's the future, don't you? We don't need twenty overs. We don't need a hundred balls. God forbid. We don't even need five days. Seven overs. That'll that'll do. Oh, well, just one last thing on that. What is with this weird rule where if it's between five and nine overs, you only need four bowlers? No, if you if it's five and no six. Go on, Dan. So Dan. Dan's got his eye. I, I can explain this better than you, face. So go on, Dan. Between five and... So it's weird, yeah. The rule changed a few years ago, and it's sort of... But there hasn't been enough matches yet for it to permeate into the consciousness where this has sort of happened. But basically, it used to be that if it was a seven-over game, it would be five... Bowl, so it'd be three bowlers can bowl... Um, is that right? No, two bowlers can bowl two overs, and three bowlers can bowl one over. But it's kind of changed. So between five and ten overs, it's just bowlers can bowl a maximum of two overs. So for five over a side match, you theoretically only need three bowlers. So it's two to bowl two and one to bowl one. Um, so then it's like 11 to 15 is maximum of three overs per bowler and 16 to 20 is maximum of four overs per bowler. I'm not really sure that it simplifies things and I have no idea why it was changed. I think it was 2018 was the first time it che- was the first time it um, came in. There was a Western Storm game that year um, at Taunton where I was extremely confused because Storm only used four bowlers um, in an innings. Um, and I thought that Heaven Knight had got her calculations wrong or the umpires had messed it up or something. But no, it turns out that Heaven Knight was just very aware of these uh, new rules. Um, so, yeah, no idea why it changed, but it's been a thing for a few years. And I think, as it happened, you know, people just have to get used to it. I think, I think uh, people, um, you know, yeah. The only reason I can think it might be is if. If, for example, the first innings is shortened by rain, you might you might have been able to bowl your better bowlers for a bigger proportion of that first innings, if you like. So, you might have got away with bowling two guys. So, let's say it's ten overs, you might have got away with bowling 
uh, let's say I don't know three bowlers for three overs and one bowler for one over for something like that. And then if it if it rains, maybe it's just trying to replicate that into the second innings. I don't know, but it would. It, 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 that's the only reason I could think. Anyway, Pete, the greatest performance under your presidency, which started when? Uh, Wednesday night, uh, after item 10 at the annual general meeting. Um, final item, yeah. So, uh, Many congratulations. You'll be a yeah, great thanks. president, I'm sure. Uh, thank, no, thank you very much. I mean, it, as, I, as I said on the evening, it's the sort of role which you don't go looking for. It comes to you. I mean, I, I applied to be a member of the committee, and in the process of going through all of that, the club said to me, would you be interested in being nominated as the president? I'm incredibly presumptuous to um, <laughs> uh, imagine that for a second. But, you know, what an extraordinary honour. So I said yes, and then had to face this rather kind of, uh, I mean, it's not quite the accountability of going out to bat for Somerset, <laughs> but to be on a voting slip where it's, do you approve of this person, yes or no, is fairly is fairly brutal. Um, but the, the results were kind of akin to a sort of North Korean election and um, pretty much, you know, high 90s for all the... So you're, the you're more Kim Jong-un than Emmanuel Macron then? <laughs> well, no, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't say that. But, Vote um, Wanless, the only choice. It was, um, it was, no, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an absolute um, privilege. And as I said on the night, you know, I've, it fulfills a boyhood ambition to come in after Brian Rose, perhaps not the way I imagined <laughs> three. Uh, I would come in uh, uh, after him, but nevertheless, uh, it's, uh, yeah, lovely to be able to, uh, to follow him. And my only sort of regret really is that uh, my mum and dad are no longer alive because they were both huge Somerset fans and members from back in the day and you know I was taken to Somerset from when I was an embryo through to you know it's just it's in me completely I was apparently named after Peter White my brother was named after um, Graham Atkinson you know there are all these stories which which I think do appeal to quite a lot of the, the members the more stories you can tell that are sort of pre-1970 um, the more I think they will trust you to um, look after the mm -hmm. club and and you know that's my 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 sort of ambition for the role is to you know do everything we can to secure elite cricket in the heart of the west country and do everything we can to make sure that when people come to watch that it's a fantastic um uh, experience and of course there are all kinds of issues and tensions and worries and grumbles on the pitch and uh, and off the pitch but the president can be a sort of someone mm -hmm. right in the middle of all of that who can act as the kind of conscience for the deep values of the of the club so that's what i want to do i want to help us understand and remember what it is that's special about this club and try and make sure that as many decisions we take as possible are consistent with that um deep kind of passion and commitment and sense of engagement that all of us you know have enjoyed as a consequence of being associated with with Somerset so that was that's kind of where I'm coming from and so far we've played two one one and lost one and none of that's got anything to do with me uh, whatsoever oh congratulations Pete I'm sure you'll uh, be a fantastic yeah, president yeah. for the club uh, so are you allowed to go in the dressing room and give him a bollocking after play then? Probably. I think you've got a roving <laughs> I think you've got a roving uh, ability to get involved in 
as little or as much as you, oh, as you want stuff. to. That's probably not where I'll start. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I, as I said before, to, we do you have take... to go to all the away matches? Do you have to go, go to, to all the away matches? So I go to quite a few of the away matches. I go to more away matches at the moment than home matches, if if truth be told. I've still got this really big kind of full-on day job which is a uh, which is an issue <laughs> and a challenge but but um uh by having a title and some responsibilities at somerset there is a there's an opportunity to um balance that a bit more now so i'm expecting to be present at more cricket i mean wouldn't it be a waste wouldn't it to have this role for three years and then spend my time sat in the nspcc audit and risk committee <laughs> um uh, so yeah i'm um, i'm looking to my team around me to kind of step up and release me to fulfill important ambassadorial and representative duties Absolutely. at a number of grounds around the country oh great stuff but you're still not willing great to stuff. release your email address to dan for any uh, concerns you might have about how the club's being run <laughs> <laughs> you'll just have yes, to keep just, e you just have to keep emailing uh, put my teeth in keep emailing uh, Gordon Hollins Dan oh. I've got Gordon's address so Gordon's, <laughs> Gordon's the one with the authority and and the, and of course the new chair of uh, of the committee so so Michael Barber is a is an absolutely brilliant man and I think he's going to be an extraordinarily important and influential chair for the club you know not just in terms of what goes on in and around Taunton but as someone who commands respect and will be listened to um at the ECB you know he has got a great kind of address book and is uh yeah is going to be a real asset um, for the club in many ways that's a kind of more important appointment because the the authority and the power is with the the chair and the committee he's the one who gets to you know vote on the future of the game and and this sort of stuff so um the president will see what he can do to um get michael onto the podcast at some point oh good stuff yeah that'd be good yeah. any 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 um any leeway with with scrapping the hundred is that on your on, on the <laughs> on the agenda <laughs> well, I knew you were well i'm yeah, just but... saying if you know if <laughs> If right, so, Michael Barber can just write to the. All right, uh, could we scrap this bloody hundred, please, and go back to playing some proper cricket and uh, and spread the game instead of concentrating it in eight cities? Oh, uh, we all know. We all know what we, uh, our opinions well, on the hundred are. When he spoke at, at the AGM, so he made some introductory remarks on being appointed as as the chair, and he said what you would want to hear from him that. Uh, Four-day and five-day cricket is the pinnacle of the game. It's the format of the game which tests skills to the extreme, and that's what we um, want and need to cherish, which isn't to say that other formats of the game don't have um, value, and we shouldn't, as a club, seek to do really well at all we engage in in, in, in Taunton. But fundamentally... Mm -hmm. You know, we're all in the same place, which is that we want to win the county championship and we want the county championship to mean something. And we want to produce players who go on to be really successful for England, ideally with Somerset. But if not, like Jamie Overton, maybe with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So anything else to report from uh, from the AGM then, Pete? I've um, it's I on think... YouTube. I've still not watched it yet. I've not got round to it. But uh... <laughs> well, it was it was 
as you might expect there were some we had everything from uh why isn't brian close's cbe on the honors board in the long room to um why uh can't more maverick individuals be on the committee which was an ironic question to um raise actually because now there is much more scope to um have a real kind of mix of skills and perspectives quite sure we want a maverick on the board no you want you want you want a group of people who think differently, oh, though, don't oh, you? Yeah, but, uh, uh, Ma- to oh. challenge one another. No, Maverick may have connotations <laughs> which wouldn't be altogether helpful. But but um, we're, back think... to, we're back to Top Gun call signs now, aren't we, Quantox? Yeah, no, I'm not Quantox. I'm Cider Man. Oh, Cider Man. Cider Man. <laughs> and there was a lot. Then there was a lot of discussion about um, the financial realities facing the club and the challenges of where our income comes from and that um, we don't want to be totally dependent on ECB and TV handouts. We need to generate income from other sources, Mm. but we have to balance the generation of that income with the um, support or experience. And uh, that isn't always, the balance there isn't always struck. And you can see in some of the kind of, tensions and discussions going on at the moment that that's where there's some more um, to be done but I I thought you know maybe I would say this the club did a very good job at laying out why money matters Mm. and you can't be blind to the need to generate income if we want to survive as a successful club on and off the field but that but that mustn't be at the kind of fundamental expense of um, having a no. good day out when you come to Taunton. No, but well, the, the last two things you said there are, are, are quick wins in that respect. Having a day out and generating income. Well, put cricket on at the weekends then. ECB. <laughs> I did say that. I did say <laughs> that. That that if you yeah, if your drivers are to have really good cricket and a good customer experience, we need more of it to be. Um, at the weekends oh. and in and in the middle of the summer and be of a really kind of high class. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a no brainer. I mean, the, the hundred aside, get get cricket on at the weekends in September, especially when the club season's finished. People can go watch it. Games should be Saturday, Sunday, no exception. Having a midweek is it's nothing short of a disgrace, to be honest. And just going back to what you said about having you know generating revenue, I'm being interrupted by one of my children here. Yes, Theo. Oh, hello, Theo. All right, are you going to bed now? No. Did you enjoy uh, the cricket on Thursday night? I don't know. What did you think about that shot Tom Abel played to get out? Do you think it was mistied or do you think he did the right thing? I didn't see it. You didn't see see it. Arsene Wenger there. Right, are you? Oh, he's going to sit and listen. Um, Yeah, that's my uh, weekly rant about cricket not being shown uh, when people can go and watch it. Fantastic. Right. Um, so we've done the AGM. No county championship game for uh, Somerset this week, but uh, the women's test has come to Taunton. Uh, Heather Knight won the toss uh, inserted South Africa. This is me playing for time while I look up the score on my phone without realising that Dan can probably give it to you uh, verbatim. You give it to set it, yeah. 284. 284 all out, yeah. And wow. somebody got 100, didn't they? Marazan cap, yeah, 150. Uh, great to see the women's test uh, down at Taunton this week. Um, you're not able to make it, Dan? 
On my... No, unfortunately not. As it's all on weekdays, <laughs> I haven't got enough need to go and see it. It's what? They're showing cricket on we cricket's being. <laughs> I'm getting a sense yeah. of deja vu here. I mean, uh, I'm guessing this match would have been played the weekend coming, but because of the rescheduled India test, that's being played then instead. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously they don't want this to... Yeah, I understand they don't want this test to clash with a men's test, although it has had a clash today, just the one day. Um, but the schedule is so packed that I don't think there's any other time they could possibly have played it, unfortunately. But it just shows that they don't really prioritise women cricket, women's cricket that highly when doing the schedule, unfortunately. The, the India test was scheduled before this test, so if they thought about it when they were scheduling the India test, maybe they'd have find, found a way to get this one on the weekend as well. Who knows? But, um, yeah, really disappointing. But, um, yeah, it's been a been an interesting day so far, hasn't it? I think, you know, England evolved really well. Um, they got some, you know, they, I, the, the new ball bowlers swung it a lot in that first session. You know, Lauren Bell was quite impressive. Um and Izzy Wong was impressive from what I saw as well. She took, she took her maiden wicket. Alice Davis and Richards took her maiden test wicket. Bell got two wickets. Um, yeah, none of the South Africa bats, batters really, you know, the second highest score was 30. It was only Cap who really sort of got in and scored big runs. The rest of them sort of got in and got out, really. But you, you can't blame them too much, of course, because this is South Africa's first test since 2014, I believe. And obviously they don't, they don't play the format regularly. I mean, England don't play it regularly, but South Africa play it nowhere near as regularly, clearly. Um, you know, no country has domestic rebel cricket at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, in, uh, a good a good day, I think. Yeah, and Western Storm start the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy up at Loughborough on Saturday. They do, yeah. So um, it's it's quite well, yeah. I mean, we were talking about how you know the lack of weekend cricket for Somerset, but the Hayhoe Flint Trophy is mostly on Saturdays. So if people are feeling starved of Somerset cricket, um, they should check out the Hayo Flint Trophy schedule because there are opportunities there for um, you know to go and see some matches on weekends. Um, there's only one game at Taunton, but there's also a game at Bristol, there's a game at Cheltenham. They're all uh, Saturdays, I think. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely worth going to. Definitely worth, definitely worth going to. You know, it's good quality of cricket. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the tournament. I think West Storm. You know, I think they'll have learned from last year. They they, they sort of finished mid table last year. Helped by a couple of wins towards the end of the season against sort of the lower, the size lower in the table. Um, yeah, with Fran Wilson as an addition compared to last year, um, and I think the lack of you know no one will have England players for this tournament, so perhaps it'll be a slightly more level playing field um, this this time round. Um, yes. So yeah, it should be interesting. Split by the hundred, isn't it? So you got the first half, then you got the hundred, then it. it it finishes off in September. I think the game right. at Taunton is September the 10th or September the 11th. It is about that, yeah. 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 Fantastic. So best of luck to Sophie Love and the Western Storm uh, for their uh, Rachel Hayhoe Flint trophy campaign. I suppose we better talk about England. They've had a good few weeks, haven't they? What I'm loving about this England side at the moment is they're playing this fantastic attacking brand of cricket. They're you know, chasing down all these big scores, but we can still have a bit of a moan about the top three. And I think that's great. That's a perfect balance. That pleases everybody. But um, two Somerset players, well, one Somerset player, Jack Leach, 10 for 166 in the match. Incredible. I don't think I've ever seen him bowl that well for Somerset or for England. And literally from ball one, he was on the money and just completely unstoppable and anybody saying but Matt Parkinson should play get in the bin 
is it now Jack's place for the long term and it's up to you to come and get it off him because I think that was incredible everything that man has been through the respect levels you have for him have, have just gone through the roof for me this week I don't know how you guys feel about it but Pete in your new capacity as president can we have a Jack Leach something at Taunton yeah, so there's a special relationship, isn't there, between um, Leach and Stokes. And I think when you've got the trust and respect of the captain, perhaps that's just what Jack needed to relax a little bit and bubble at his best. It was just wonderful to see. So, yeah, delighted for him. Yeah, man of the match as well. I could just see that little... That little twinkle being taken off that victory. I thought, they've got to give man of the match. Jack's got 10 wickets at Headingley as, as a spin bowler. Oh, they'll give it to Bear. But they didn't. They gave it to Jack. And just just fantastic. I mean, I don't know how much you, you saw of it, Gibber, with your, with your travels over over to France and, and, and that. But um... I saw a bit. Well, I listened to quite a bit because, rather like Peter, I spent many hours in the car on Friday, Friday afternoon going to uh, Cardiff. Um, and I, I listened to the uh, Bairstow um, Jamie Overton partnership. What great, what great cricket that was! And and how good to see Jamie Overton fulfilling his potential, even if he's had to go to Surrey to uh, to um, show what he can really do. But you know, he's a he's a West Country boy, born and born and bred, and we can bask in the reflected glory of <laughs> of, of his ninety seven. What a shame it was he didn't get a hundred. But uh, I feel a bit sorry for Craig, though. I have to say. Yeah, you know, who's slogged slogged away for for England and bowled really well, and his brother comes in in the first Test match, <laughs> <laughs> he gets ninety ninety seven. You know, oh dear. But there, there you are. I mean, they're both both good, really great cricketers, and I was just so pleased for for, for Jamie. And I miss mean, it's unrecognisable England side from the from the one that that um, turned down the invitation to chase a perfectly gettable target against New Zealand this time this time last year. And I, you know, give them every chance of meeting India next week or later this week. Yeah, I mean, one little tinge on it for me is why couldn't we make Jamie this player at Somerset? Why did it take a move to Surrey for somebody to get hold of him and say, "Oh, shorten your run up and do this and that"? And we had too, we had too many quick bowlers. That was the trouble. You know, but there were too many of them. They couldn't all fit in the same side. And Jamie, to be fair, was pretty erratic when he, you know, for throughout. Yeah, really, I, I, I get, I get that, and, I, and he was absolutely, he was. Yeah, I don't think anybody would question the fact that he was pretty diabolical for Surrey last year. Would he get six wickets at eighty odd or something like that? But seeing it was just, I don't know. Could we not have seen that and and worked on that and got him to be that player at Taunton rather than losing him to a quote unquote bigger club? Well, we, we were getting there. I think twenty twenty in twenty twenty looked really good. You know, this is after his move mm -hmm. to Surrey was confirmed. But I mean, bowled really well in that in the Bob Willis Trophy. And in in twenty nineteen, you know, I think he, he improved over the years. I think he was getting there. And for me, he left at the exact moment when he was actually a first choice member of the attack. Um, and obviously, he left and obviously really struggled last year. And obviously, he's now on a mood to um, shorten his run up, and that's just sort of done the trick. Um, you know. What would have happened if he stayed with us? Who knows? I mean, presumably, something. Presumably, he changed something in 2021, which didn't work, and obviously, he changed again in 2022. But um, yeah, 
Who knows? Know. Yeah. To get me a, a, a can of Thatcher's gold. Yeah, there's a can of Thatcher's gold on the shelf. Oh, yeah. Now that's a four. That's a four pack deal. We don't want a four pack. Thatcher's gold have to be, on the shelf. Shep, I'm gonna have to leave you. I'm afraid. My phone is about to conk out. So. Okay. No worries. Give out. Au revoir. Abby Anton. Oh, yeah. I mean. Can I give you a second one? No, I just want one for the moment. Thanks, buddy. That's not. That's okay, is it, Pete? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only want one. Put that one back. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got one year on his contract left at Surrey. Is that right? Yeah. Well. Fingers crossed. You know what I'm thinking, don't you? You've been to Surrey. Why would you leave there? Why, why would you leave Surrey? <laughs> Pete, I've got, well, I've got, I know I've got a sense Surrey. you're going to be uh, involved in these negotiations, uh, possibly next September or next, next October. Try and bring Jamie back to Taunton. <laughs> or is that down to Mr. Hurry? Oh, uh, yeah, I think I, I don't think I have a locus in all of that. But as I said, I can in, I can interfere and engage wherever I want and just see what happens. Um, so I don't know. I'm at the moment. I'm taking views from um, supporters and members. So if it's very important to you to get Jamie Overton back, I shall well, endeavour I mean, to oh, reflect oh. that. But it's quite difficult for people to go back, isn't it, to places that they've um, that they've left, especially when you know. Um, I, I I don't know. Would he, would he would he did he did he feel his his amb, his ambition is undoubtedly there and he's starting to fulfil that potential now, isn't he? So if you're him, you you're bound to be thinking, well, did they did they see all of that exactly the way you're kind of questioning yeah, now? I'm just, yeah, so, it's, so I mean, it it's... may be a bit of a long shot though. Of course, it'd be yeah, it'd be lovely to um, get the band <laughs> back together, Joss and everyone else. <laughs> yeah, um, just the thing about Joss because he's back from England duty now. He's back from the IPL, back from England. Ostensibly a Lancashire player, but he's not turning out out for them in the blast. And he was playing in a charity game at Lords on Saturday. I mean, that's a kind of a, a wider question, but that doesn't really sit right with me, does it? You should be playing back to the domestic game as much as you can. He he essentially contracted, so the ECB control when he plays. But I do have a feeling that it's more his decision to not be playing at the moment. You know, he's not played for Lancashire yet this season. Um, but every other player who played in the IPL and then the Netherlands series has played some county mm. cricket or in between the two. You know, Livingston played for Lancashire, you know, in between the IPL and the Netherlands series. Um, yeah, it is a weird one. It, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's got, his, he's got a young family now. That might be part of it. But that's but the thing. So he was he was he was so. going off to Lords to play in this charity game with was it yeah. and a couple of others on I think it was something to do with JP Morgan. So he's obviously away for that Saturday. I know you haven't got to go through all the you know, the um, the other stuff that you do for a for a, a professional fixture, sort of warm ups and team meetings and blah 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 and that sort of thing, but I don't know, it just something about that just didn't kind of sit right with me. It 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 just just felt a little bit wrong. But um we can ask yeah. the uh, Lancashire members how they feel about it, can't we? When we're up in Southport well, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I well, if it was, uh, say, for example, I don't know, Tom Banton, who you know could have gone to the IPL um, and then could potentially have been away with England, and then thinks, well, I'm not, oh, I'm not going to play, but I am going to go up to Lords and 
and have a knockabout in a charity game. I don't think that would sit very well with the members. But I don't. From what I gather, Joss, Joss, Joss hasn't. Uh, he's now taking my four-year-old daughter a can of Thatcher's gold. Uh, look away, Pete. Look away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from what I gather, Joss doesn't have the. Well, the Lancashire members don't have a great deal of fondness for for Joss anyway, do they? From what I kind of hear. So anyway. Anyway, moving on. Right, uh, what else have we got to talk about? I think we're done. Should we pop and see what our uh, our good listeners have, uh, have fired through? We've done nearly an hour, so we better be quick. Uh, Righty-ho, let's go for... Uh, yes, uh, people are, are now thinking that Joss Butler should be opening the uh, batting for England in the era of Basball. Um I'll, I'll show you Jason Roy as, as a prime example of why that's probably not a good idea. Um, but, uh, go back to what I was just saying previously, actually. If if you want to keep a batsman to replace Ben Folks, who was ruled out with, with COVID um, during that uh, during the last Test match just gone at Headingley, would Joss Butler have probably been a, been a, a fit for Basball? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. They, they could have brought up Joss again, but Billings did well when he played in Australia, and maybe they maybe maybe Joss has privately retired from Test cricket or privately said that he wants to stop for now. You know, maybe he's privately said that he'd rather not play Test cricket at the moment and take some time out. Um, yeah, I'm not sure really, because he's yeah, as you say, he's a prime fit, not as an opener though. Obviously, <laughs> I think that's a bit of a mad Michael Vaughan idea, and I think Gumasangakara was talking about it as well. I mean, we're taking it a little bit, know. taking it a little bit too far. But Sam, so Sam Billings was caught. Who's Sam Billings play for again? Which which county side? Yeah, so I I've got a soft spot for Sam Billings. Don't say that in front of Mister Tancock. But <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, deserves his chance actually. Well, so, I mean, well, Zach Crawley's had a bit of a torrid time, and um, he's been included in the next Test match squad. Who, which county does he play for again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it the same county that the new managing director of England cricket used to play for? What a coincidence! Uh, oh. Crawley with Compton, couldn't he, and still have a Kent? Well, I, yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Pete. That's probably a much better shout than uh, keeping um, keeping Crawley going because he looked like he didn't know which end of the bat to hold against New Zealand the other day. He was he was sort of hit out or get out, which is kind of not really what you want from your opener, but. I suppose when you got Bairstow coming in and bashing 71 or 44 balls at will just to see off these what would previously have been considered monumental run chases with ease, uh, England cricket's in a in a pretty healthy place at the moment. Uh, Andy Cleave, oh, in response to the bagful that Simon Harmer got, is Chelmsford the new cider a bad? <laughs> well... Yeah, I mean, it's not only that. Um, Liam Dawson took three wickets yesterday, and today Liam Dawson took seven more wickets. And I think the other three wickets in that innings uh, fell to Felix Organ, who's also a spinner. So there has been a lot of wickets to spin in this match, uh, and a not a lot of talking about it on social media. Because, you know, we none of us have a problem with wickets to spin, mm. a lot of wickets to spin in a county championship match, I'm sure, because we've all been used to it at Taunton. We've all defended the Taunton pitch. It just is a bit odd, though, that other pitches don't seem to get the same amount of scrutiny. Dan, um, there have only been 30 wickets fall in the first two days of that game. <laughs> just uh, just if, if you're not up to speed with what's been going on here at... at uh, this, so this is Essex versus Hampshire at the 
cloud well, it's not called the cloud fm county ground now it's just called the cloud county ground so wickets to spin uh who have we got there yeah dawson three organ didn't get well this is the first day yeah that's the only wickets to spin and then we've got simon harmer eight for 46 and then liam dawson seven for 68 felix organ three for 57 and then hampshire 35 without loss um in the second innings so I mean, can we get Ryan Tenderscarter to report that pitch? Is is that how it works? Is he he seems to be the only one that ECB listens to when it comes to this sort of thing? Or can we have a collective, uh, some sort of collective arrangement if we all email the ECB asking them to have a look at it and, and dock Essex points and make us twenty nineteen county champions? Does that work or or not? Oh dear! I think the answer to your question, Andy, is uh, definitely yes. But shh, it's. Uh, not polite to mention that because it's not Taunton. And one from John Hayes. Uh, great to see Taunton hosting the, the women's test match. Is the standard good enough and how do we make sure that it is entertaining enough to draw commercial sponsorship? Has the 100, boo, given the game a quantum leap? For the women it has, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, the 100 has been good for, for the women, but it's just whether or not it could have been done with the... With a, with a souped-up KSL, we'll, we'll never know, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think with the, with the question about the standard, it's almost you've you've got to in, invest in it to get the standard up. You can't just sort of mm. say, "Well, just just keep playing the county setup from a few years ago until by, and then we'll just hope that you all get better, and, and then it's good enough to put on TV." You you, you can't do it like that. This is this is never going to happen. You've got to. You know, you've got to promote it, get it on TV, invest in it, invest in coaches, invest in the new domestic structures to get the standard up, and then it's on TV, and then you see young women and girls watching it and thinking, you know, it's what's the what's the phrase? If you see it, you can be it, and just get that level yeah. of engagement up, get the participation up. So yeah, you can't you can't just wait for it to be good enough to put on TV. It's just it's just yeah, not going right. to happen. And, and you want to see competitive cricket, right? Yeah, you want to see a great mm. a great game it's a it's the same sport but it's also a different sport so um yeah i think uh uh it's, it's great to have uh, test cricket available on the doorstep to get along and watch incidentally at the the other another really great thing about the another great thing probably the best thing about the agm was uh, tom abel and sophie luff um both spoke so articulately and clearly and honestly and with real kind of passion about the game of cricket and about Somerset and about the privilege of playing at, at Taunton. It, it's fantastic. You know, we're so, so fortunate to have two ambassadors like them who are so steeped in the area. So, yeah, we need, we need to get... Sophie needs to get into the England team, doesn't she? And then everything will be fine. Yeah, they bleed maroon and black, those two, and I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Um, what else have we got next? Uh, oh, the best up-and-coming players we are most excited to see in a Somerset show. That's on Dan Warner. So I think James Ruse, uh, James Ruse, James Ruse time is going to come sooner rather than later. I saw him on Thursday night, actually. He was just wandering around with his, uh, what I presume was a few players from either his school or club side wasn't sat up on the balcony or anything I, this is pathetic i'm 42 years old and i was too starstruck to say hello to a 17 year old that's ridiculous <laughs> come on 
but yeah I think I mean we all know about the the trio of young fast bowlers I think they're all going to have a really good one day cut I think Sonny Baker's more or less back to full fitness now um, we've got old Ned Leonard Casey Aldridge James Rue um, and I think they, yeah, those four are going to have the be the backbone of the one day cup side with assistance from hopefully James Hildreth Steve Davis and uh, and a few other senior players not missed anyone have I Dan but, uh, in terms of youngsters um they're you know, they're the ones they're the ones that come to mind. Um obviously just George Thomas as well. Um he obviously had a good debut last oh, yeah. year. I'm um, looking forward to seeing some more of him. Um yeah, there's there's a good crop coming through, that's for sure. Good, good, good. Um from Sam Shane, this is a good point actually. Um in four-day cricket, Gloucester and Northants are batting and often better than Somerset and Kent, which suggests it's going to be a tough battle to be out of the bottom two. Uh, yeah, so in the current round of four-day games, uh, Northants um, got to 451 all-out against Warwickshire, a perennial topic of this podcast. Ricardo Vasconcelos was uh, out for five, so um, that probably means we're definitely going to sign him now. Um uh, Gloucester 337 all out, although Lancashire 226 for four, so it looks like they're probably in a good position to uh, to overhaul that. And Kent, well, they conceded 673 for seven against Surrey, and they're currently 147 for two. But yeah, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to just wait until September, beat those two sides, and, and get out with the bottom two. I think it's it's going to be really tough, and we're going to have to start putting some results together, uh, starting up at Southport in a couple of weeks' time. Sorry, that is, yeah, that's that 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 mm. is true. I don't I don't think it is going to be easy. On on the other hand, um, we got a great bowling attack. Oh, uh, I'd be you know famous last words, but yeah, I won't write that down. But it won't minute that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, also the team's going to be a bit different. We're not going to have the Australians in September, are we? So that's a big topic of conversation at some point in the future. Well, I think in the in the near future, I think you know we we should possibly be looking to the uh, the senior management of the club to bring in a uh, a temporary well not a temporary overseas a permanent overseas for September. I mean, you know, I don't know anybody in the senior management team of the club. Dan, do you know anybody in the senior management team of the club that could you know get on the you know get on uh, wherever you need to go to sign overseas players and, and sign an overseas player of September, preferably an opening batsman and a bowler? Any anybody anybody in the senior management team of the club that we know we could do that, Pete? Hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Andy yeah. Harry, that's what I'm thinking of. Come on, Sarge. Right, get somebody signed for September and get them and get them in and uh, put all of our collective minds at rest. And I think we had one more from Ollie Slack, um, who is question: Does the signing of Pepsi, who kept wicket in Yorkshire's last blast game, mean Bance has decided to move on to a quote-unquote big club at the end of the season? And if so. Should we give someone else in a chance for the championship for the rest of the season? Mm. Well, um, Tom Tom Abel was really interesting on Tom Cola Cadmore at the um, at the AGM. So someone asked uh, Andy Hurry, "How do you choose the players, and does Tom Abel have a say in it?" And um, uh, he passed that to Tom, and Tom spoke about. Uh, in really interesting terms about Cola Cadmore's uh, skills, character, development, how Tom Abel had been in his ear for a while, including over in Australia, trying to convince him that Somerset was the place to come and 
and play his cricket. And and you got a really it was one of those topics that, as I say, I felt Abel spoke really well about, but you also got a real sense that um they believed that Kola Cadmore was going to add something really distinctive to the squad, not only in terms of his skills, but in terms of his uh, character. And that's irrespective of the other players who might be in the squad. So based on what I heard there, I absolutely don't think there's any um, connection between what Tom Banton might or might not do and what Tom Kola Cadmore is going to do, because they've got a clear sense that he's adding... Uh, to, to to the squad as a as a batter who has got a bit more um, uh, on the pitch experience in in all formats of the game. Yeah, the the announcement of Tom Banton signing his contract extension is conspicuous by its absence. Though Dan, do we think that's mm. going to be done at the end yeah. of the season, or what's your gut on this one? <laughs> There must be something going on. We, we must have offered him a contract, and he must be, well, you know, must be undecided. I think. I mean, yeah. We, we if he was staying, if he was certain about staying, he'd have announced that by now. I think. So we're just going to wait and see. Um, his his <clears throat> struggles since the start of twenty twenty. You know, I mean, he's not not permanent struggles. You know, he has had some good. You know, he's had some highlights over the last couple of years, but overall, he has declined a bit from 2019. And he might just think that a change of scene might revitalise his career. Um, but yeah, who knows? It's just speculation, isn't it? Yeah. So our players out of contract at the end of the season. Just if you want to um, have a little think about that, we got uh, uh, James Hildreth, uh, Jack Brooks, Max Waller. Ollie Sale, George Bartlett and Tom Banton are the homegrown players and then obviously all of the overseas are out of contract at the end of the year as is the way those things happen. So uh, Bartlett, Banton and, and Sale are, are interesting ones because Sale hasn't made a first team appearance yet apart from with a camcorder. Um, Bartlett again has just made the, the one first team appearance and and Banton, who you think is a player that we want to nail down, hasn't put pen to paper yet. So, I mean, potentially, we could see all three of those going out the door. Mm. I, I would mm -hmm. really look to keep Bartlett. I know he's not played most of the season, but he's still a player with potential, particularly in championship cricket. And if I was Somerset management, uh, and he's trying to make his way as a one-day player, but I would be trying to convince him just put all your eggs in the red ball basket, and you could he could become a fixture in our side for years to come. But is he being affected by trying to do both, trying to make his way in both red and white ball cricket? You know, that's that's what I wonder. Yeah, I agree. Well, we talked about it before. He kind of looks stuck between two stools when he's batting in both forms of the game. Although he's found a a decent bit of nick in the in the last few games in the blast, but yeah. He always just seems to be fighting his instincts. I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm talking about Bartlett. That oh one. right, I was talking about Banton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god, no. I'm not saying Banton should put his eggs in the red ball basket. Oh no, <laughs> Bartlett should put his eggs in the red ball oh, right. basket. I think. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think we're done for listeners' questions now. So we got uh, what have we got uh, coming now. We got Middlesex up at Lords on when's that one? Friday. That's yeah, Friday, and then. And then we finish off um, the Blast campaign at home to Surrey on Sunday, which is at a very weird time of half past six in the evening. I assume because of the test match, I assume most of the matches are then and one will be televised, I'm guessing. That's the reason. 
Yeah, it is a bit. It is a bit weird, though, isn't it? You, I mean, I think it's good. It's, but it's annoying. Yeah. It's very annoying for me because I've got to get a train back the following morning and take the following morning off. But <laughs> it is good that the blast will finish um, after the the day of Test cricket is finished. Because if the blast finished that afternoon, it would be mm. overshadowed by the Test. So that's the way I see it. Yeah, I suppose. But then I'm I'm talking about I've you know I'd like to take the family up and you know I mean. Uh, they both got school the next day, so you know by the time you get back from Taunton mm-hmm. at a half, yeah. uh, you know a half six start, it's it's getting to be sort of eleven o'clock by the time you get home. So it's yeah, I see that. We're yeah. straight into the quarterfinals the next week, aren't we? Um, and uh, some of those are in the midweek again, and uh, you, mm-hmm. we may not know if we're home or away until the last minute, and all all of that. Let, let's not talk about the fixture list again. But again, that, oh, uh, we could do another a, four hours on the fixture list. Hey, Dan, get that email way. out. Come on, get that email. Out. <laughs> Yeah, I think we could all agree at the fixture. Well, I do. I do like the fact that the blast is being played in a block. So I'm. I, if if you're gonna if you're gonna go with that, you're gonna if you want that, you're gonna have to kind of accept that the quarters are gonna be, you know, pretty close to the end of the group stage. And I, I think most fans will kind of have had one eye on, on those days, and you know, will be have would have kept things flexible to maybe go to, to the games on one of those days. So that's as long as the dates are there ahead of time. I think you. You're kind of okay, but as oh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, one more thing that mm. I've just looked at the schedule. Actually, four of the matches on Sunday start at two thirty, according to BBC Sport. So I don't know what, what? I don't know what's going on there. Well, the, the club just put out an email today saying because uh, when I well when I looked a couple of days ago, the match was starting at five past seven, and now it's starting at half past six. Yeah, so ours is half six. There are four matches at half six and four matches at half two, according to BBC Sport. Uh, grounds without floodlights, maybe. I think well, have got floodlights now, they? Yeah, only Worcester hasn't. So, I, yeah, the others are at Derby, Leicester and Bristol. The other games at 2.30. So, yeah, no idea what the Derby, reason is for that. Derby, Leicester and Bristol. So, you've got two in the North group and one in the South group. Yeah, but, and Worcester as well. So, it's three in the North group. Do you say Worcester or Gloucester? Worcester. Yes, oh, so Worcester. It's, sorry, it's, I thought you said sorry, Gloucester, yeah. Derby, Leicester and Worcester and Gloucestershire as well, yeah. So, it's right. three in the North and one in the South. Oh, right. That's all very strange. But then, yeah. well, we'll probably get an email from the club said actually it's now starting at half two on Sunday. <laughs> who knows? Anyway, who knows? Right. Um, I think we're all done. Oh, just one thing. I keep I keep forgetting to mention this, but August the 7th, Summer, uh, Gloucester against Somerset up at the Unique Seat Stadium. It's the official protest 100 day. The Welsh firemen are playing down the road at, uh, at Cardiff against, I don't know, the Nottingham Yellow Crisps or I don't know, the green northern southern viper chargers or whatever they're called um if you can get yourself to uh get yourself to gloucester for uh gloucester against somerset on uh, on the 7th of july in the royal london one day cup uh let's sell out the unique seat stadium let's keep cardiff as empty as possible and uh show the ecb where the real fans of county cricket want to watch their players play uh, do we have any other business, guys? I know it's only been about four and a half hours since we started. So I think we probably we've probably covered everything. Uh, I think we're now officially over the record for the longest ever podcast, about an hour and fourteen minutes. So unless you've got anything else, I'm dying for a wee. So I'm sure uh, we could call it a night for tonight. Thank you very much. Cheers, yeah. guys. Cheers, Mr. President. Cheers, Cheers Dan. And uh, Anthony's probably 
tucking into a lovely bottle of rouge at the moment over in france and having some haute cuisine as we speak but uh yeah we'll catch up with you uh probably oh yeah we'll probably do monday again next week i think that sits quite nicely with the fixture list so uh yeah for pete down and uh, anthony i mean shepherd and we'll catch up with you next time